Good morning. I happy be here with all you. Uh, I privileged to come. Uh, you understand me English? Okay. I uh, thank God for opportunity. Uh, you happy? You, you happy? Yeah. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Some of you are lying through your teeth. <laughs> you said you're happy and you're saying, the pastor brings a guy who can't even speak English. <laughs> and you acting so happy, but I'm not sure. <laughs> it's really good to be here with you. And uh, I thank God for the privilege, and I do speak English. It's my second language. Um, Sri Lanka was a British colony. And uh, Sri Lanka, as you saw the, in the map, it's a little island, um, 270 miles north-south, 150 east-west, and 22 million people. Uh, predominantly a Buddhist country, it's, um, over 70% Buddhist. Um, that boasts to have the purest form of Buddhism in the world. One of the temples we have has the, teeth, the tooth of the Lord Buddha, and millions come to worship and, and do whatever they do to, you know, venerate that. And um, we're about, like Pastor said, 2% namesake Christian, out of which less than 1% are born again. Um, Sri Lanka was actually, the, the British name was Ceylon. Now, how many of you have drunk Ceylon tea? How many have heard of Ceylon tea? Well, I want to tell you, if you haven't drunk Ceylon tea, you basically haven't drunk tea. It's the best tea in the world. And uh, I know some of you don't agree with me, but it's okay. I'm the speaker this morning, and I say it's the best tea in the world. And... Uh, but more recently, Sri Lanka was known to have the best form of terrorism in the world, the Tamil Tigers. For 30 years, uh, we had terrorism. About 100,000 people were killed. You don't hear a lot of it because, you know, we're a small country that doesn't really catch the, your news. But um, about 10 years ago, the guns were silenced, the terrorism stopped, and we had 10 years of peace and rebuilding after 30 years of, of uh, terrorism. And then on Easter Sunday, suddenly, when we had just become the number one travel destination with Lonely Planet and a few other tourists, just raising our heads up, the Easter Sunday uh, suicide bombings hit. Uh, they hit three churches and two or three hotels. Um, and it was done by the ISIS who took responsibility. We still don't understand how come ISIS... Uh, extremists would come to another minority, Christians, and blow up Christians, but it happens. And um, our church was one of the bigger targets. Actually, we got a whiff of it when somebody told my associate to intelligence that there could be a different type of persecution. See, we've been going through persecution for so many years. After the terrorism, the church was persecuted in the last so many years. We have over 900 churches being attacked and, uh, you know, uh, cell leaders beaten and 
churches burnt down and even this week we we've had problems with churches outside of the city so when this happened um i told them i said why don't we just be secure for this sunday easter sunday check the cars don't allow cars we don't know in uh, let's put a, a barrier and we did we don't know why we did but god knew because if they had come in to our church um, the casualties would have been much more and what happened was a week after the bombings on easter the next door office which is a, a it office of the government the boss there had take they had taken some pictures of a guy with the backpack suicide bomber outside our walls on sunday morning but i guess he couldn't come in because we were doing the checks so we we thank god for that but it did w- wake us up to realize what needed to be done so um we thank god that god has a plan but i'm here this morning to actually thank you for what you do in missions i'm not a missionary i'm a national pastor i'm a sri lankan um you know sometimes you guys come on a missions emphasis sunday or and you hear the mission stories and you see the pictures and you you hear the speakers and then you say okay here we go again another mission sunday good music good stories and they're going to hit us up for more money well i think that's true they do that but i also want to tell you what you don't see what you don't see is because you prayed because you gave because you sent my grandfather's life was changed he he received the holy spirit he came to christ and you see then my dad and now my generation and you see every time you give you don't see what's happening but i want to tell you sometimes maybe there are a few misuses and a few abuses but i want to tell you 95 plus percent of the things that you do here the rewards are reaped all over the world today we send missionaries out today you know sri lanka we lost our missionaries 50 years ago the assemblies of god stopped it for whatever reason and the government stopped the visas i don't know why but thank god now a few have come back in but to tell you that the national church had to swim or die we swam and today we are able to take the gospel you know why because you did your part i remember an old missionary lady when i was a kid sister rosa reinecke she was a german american and she was had so many proposals to get married and all that but she gave it up because god called her to sri lanka she came and she gave her life never got married and just served and my father and others were able to take the gospel because somebody that you prayed for you supported and you sent changed our lives today we are able to reach thousands of people so you know i i don't come here as a missionary i i didn't even come here to tell you a mission story i came here to tell you that whatever you did is reaping great results and i thank god for that um yeah let's give the lord a clap offering so i can re- So um so you taught us how to trust God. You taught us how to walk in faith. You taught us that God never fails. 
and we can put our trust in him. And we who did not know the gospel, we heard it. We trusted it. But you've got to forgive me, you know, I come back to the United States and I come to some churches and I'm sorry, but I don't see sometimes the things you taught us whether you believe it anymore. I don't see people really trusting God. People are trusting budgets. They're trusting what they have. They trust in what they can do. But I want to tell you, you taught us that there is a God who supersedes anything this world has. And I want to tell you, what you taught us does work. That's why I leave tomorrow. That's why I'm going back. Because I have a work to do. This is a great country. I love this country. But you know, the God you taught us about still works. He never fails. You know, God is God. He never changes. Okay, tell, say an amen if you agree with me. God is the great healer. God is the great provider. God never fails. Well, then the problem is not with God, is it? You see, the problem is with us. You see, God can be dependent upon. You know, we can always count on God. But can God count on you? Can God depend on me? Can God count on us? You see, God never fails. Jesus Christ, is he really the Lord of your life? Is he really number one? Is he really the one worth living for and worth dying for? Can God depend on you? Luke chapter 6. Luke 6.46 says this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord and do not do what I say? Shall we all read it together? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Father, I pray right now that you speak to our hearts. Lord, let Dishan decrease and the Holy Spirit increase. Give listening ears, receptive hearts. I pray that your will be done this morning. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. You see, why do you call me Lord, Lord? But you don't do what I say. And then the story goes on to the story of the wise man and the foolish man who built the house. I will come back to that later. But you know, the, the, the word of the Lord is very clear. You know, a lot of the times in our lives we act like God didn't create us. In reality, God created us, right? He created you, he created me for what he wants done. To worship him for his purpose. But a lot of the times in our life, we act like we created God for us. God, do this for me, do that for me. God, I want this done. God, I want that done. And, and we get mad at God because God is not obeying us. Because God doesn't perform according to what we want. And we've got it all mixed up. God created me for him. And here he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I remember the story that happened in Eastern Europe when the Iron Curtain was up. People couldn't go to church. They couldn't worship. So what did they do in an Eastern European country? They would sneak in one 
would come from a side alley, cross the street, get into this little hall, sit down. Another two would come, get into an alley, go to another street, cross the road and come and sit down. Two more would come, another one would come. And finally, when everybody had come, they locked the doors, locked the windows, and then they would praise the Lord. And they would, they, one day they were praising the Lord on a Sunday morning, just like we were doing a few moments ago. They were saying, I raise a hallelujah. I praise you, Lord. I love you, Lord. There is no one like you, Lord. And while they were worshiping, <clears throat> they heard footsteps. And soldiers came with machine guns. They surrounded this small little hall. They kicked the doors open. And they came in and they pointed their machine guns. And all the people got very silent. And they were yelling. They said, you Christians, you filth of the earth. It's because of you we can't win our communistic cause. And they pointed their guns. And then the people got very quiet. And then the leader said, maybe there are some of you here who don't really believe in this Christian nonsense. And he said, if there are some of you like that, I'll give you one minute, 60 seconds to leave. Silence. Nobody moves and suddenly a few feet begin to shuffle and then everybody is running, jumping, shouting. In 30 seconds, half the building was cleared. And a few moments before that, they were saying, I love you, Lord, I'll raise a hallelujah, praise the Lord. And in 30 seconds, half of them were gone. The men raised their guns. These people bowed their heads and they, were be they began to continue to pray. And suddenly the men dropped their guns. And the leader said, brethren, we have come to worship with you. But first, we had to get rid of the hypocrites. <clears throat> you know, it's an amusing story. You clap, you laugh. But I have a very serious question for you this morning. Don't answer, please. Just think about what I'm asking. If that same thing were to have happened in this building this morning, would you have gone or would you have stayed? Is Jesus Christ really the Lord of your life? Is he really number one? Is he really worth living for and worth dying for? Is he really the Lord of the life. Would, would they have gotten rid of you? Acts 16.31 Acts 16.31 says this. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. You see, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ brings salvation. Salvation comes when you receive the risen and glorious Christ let me ask you, for salvation, who do you believe on? Who? No, that's only half the answer. Who do you believe on according to Acts 16.31? The Lord Jesus Christ. You see, salvation comes when you receive Christ both as Savior and as Lord. Church, listen to me. Many people accept all that Jesus offers as Savior while rejecting all that he demands as Lord. 
Let me say it again. Many people accept all that Jesus offers as Savior while rejecting everything he demands as Lord. You see, as Savior, he saves us. As Savior, he blesses us. As Savior, he heals us. As Savior, he gives to us. And we say, more, 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 Savior, more, more. But as Lord, he says, I want to be number one in your life. I want to be above your kids. I want to be above your career. I want to be above everything you, you have. And we say, Savior, yes, yes. But Lord, just a minute, Lord. Not now, Lord. No, Lord. Not this person, not this possession, Lord. You know, I learned a word in America. It was not in the British English that I knew. But in America, I learned a word called an oxymoron. How many of you know what an oxymoron is? Not too many hands. Okay. An oxymoron is when you take two opposites and you set it together in a contrasting way. How come you guys look more confused after I explained it <laughs> than before? Okay, let me give you some examples. An oxymoron. We say, my... That is cruel kindness. Or we say, this is intelligent stupidity. Or we say, that is a known secret. You see, it's opposites that, that, that can't go together. Or we say, man, she is awfully nice. Or then they say, this is a real fake. In America, you guys have some, some stuff I don't understand. You have wireless cable here. Wireless cable. You go into your restaurants in America, and they say, today's special is jumbo shrimp. You know, it's when things don't go together. It's like saying, handsome Pastor Josh. You know, it just... I'm kidding, I'm kidding. He's really handsome. He's my friend. You know, I couldn't pick on the senior pastor. You know how it is. I'll never get to come here again, so. But he is handsome. You know, it's like saying ugly Deshaun, you know, it doesn't work. Okay. All right. Okay, laughs aside, today I have a serious oxymoron for you in the church. An oxymoron that says, no, Lord. Not now, Lord. Not this possession, Lord. Friend, listen to me. If you're saying no, the Lord can't be around. If the Lord is around, you and I can never say no. We cannot say no, Lord. You know, don't be deceived. Jesus Christ will not be Savior where he is not Lord. I want to say it again. Jesus Christ will not be Savior where he is not Lord. 
he doesn't come as some peon he doesn't come as some 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 backburner thing into our lives when we feel like it and want it friend listen to me he's compassionate he's kind he's loving he's merciful he's all that but he's still lord he's still the son of the living god he's still the king of kings You know just because he's so good and kind and compassionate does not making him any less. He is Lord. He will be or he will not be Lord at all if uh, if he cannot be the Lord of all. Today we have humanism. Always puts me first, the me generation. we have a lot of people even in church who still says i love you lord you are first but it's me first and because of me first oh if you tell somebody any little thing they get offended i'm happy i don't pastor in america because people leave here for a little thing pastor said this so that happened and i'm getting out of this church i'm going to the one across the street Thank God in Sri Lanka you get out of my church you got to go a long way to find another one. <laughs> you see it's always about me. Friend I want to tell you this you come to church not because it's what you can get or how good it is you come because God puts you in a family. And he wants you to function in the family. He creates you for his plan, his purpose, and he wants you to move in that sphere because you become what you have to become according to God's plan. So in humanism what do we say? It's self-image, self-esteem, self-confidence. Now don't get me wrong, those are good things. But it's not the things that we go after and really want. Jesus Christ is the genie in the Bible that we rub so he can come and bless our plans, our ambitions and our goals. No. You know this is not a a place we come to say Lord, I want you and I ask you to build my kingdom, to to come and bless my plans and bless my ambitions. You know, in, in Matthew it tells us, our father which art in heaven, hallowed be my name, my kingdom come, my will be done. Am I right? No, then how is it? Yeah, but you know in reality what is it? It's all about me. It's about what I want. It's not about Lord, this is your kingdom what you want. Hallowed be my name, my kingdom. And if mine doesn't happen, I'm not motivated. Jesus Christ will not be savior where he is not Lord. Amen. No Lord, not now Lord, not this possession Lord. Why do you call me Lord, Lord and do not do what I say? Friend, I'm here to tell you Matthew 11:19 tells us that it's high time we did what he says. Church please listen to me. I'm sorry if I'm not preaching to you a typical mission sermon. But I'm speaking to you what I felt the Lord lead in my heart to challenge you because you gave so much to us. I want to give a little back. You see, we don't do what he says. We live this life like we're going to live forever as long as we have the good doctors and this and that and people are so worried about the duration of their life. I want to tell you don't worry about the duration of your life. God wants to worry about the donation of your life. What do you do with the life you have? So why do you want to extend it? 
to live more in misery it's much better up there but you see god keeps you here to fulfill his plan and purpose listen some of you are here and you know what you're saying oh i'm not a big stuff i'm just a guy i come to church i get out of there as soon as the bell rings i don't get up on the platform i'm a nobody you know you insult god when you say that you're a nobody because god did not make stuff that is crappy he made good things he made things that are real he made things that he wants to use god has a plan for you listen to me friend god has a plan for you god doesn't bless and god doesn't anoint buildings god doesn't anoint pulpits god doesn't anoint instruments god doesn't anoint tv cameras but god anoints men and women you are god's man you are god's woman you are god's plan the only thing god wants to use is you you know there was nobody like you before you thank god there'll be nobody like you after you but there is you why 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 somebody said pastor you don't understand i'm too old you know my time is over speak to the young people hey if god thought you were too old you wouldn't be here this morning you'll be 6 feet under some place is he you're not too old god knows about you he keeps you for a plan he keeps you for a purpose you are god's man you are god's plan yeah my son i say unto you it is i who called you It is I who brought you. My hand has been on you. Yea, I purify you with the fire. I get you prepared for what is coming ahead. You have not seen. You have not imagined. You will be a pastor to pastors. You will be a leader to leaders. You will mentor people. You won't even imagine. Yea, I take you through a path because for I have brought you and created you and kept you for such a time as this. Put your trust in me and me alone and I will fulfill everything that I have planned for you, says the Lord. You see God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. You're not here by accident. You're here because God created you. You know some of you just come to church to sign the book. It's like going to a club. You know what you tell God by doing that? That you're a nothing. That God created junk. No, God created all of you different. You know the problem is we listen to the word we don't do anything. Matthew 5:19 says whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I think it's in that same order. Practices and teachers. You see the Bible says don't call your brother a fool. Am I right? But if you look at let's go back to Matthew 6 is it Luke 6 I always get it mixed up it's Luke 6 it says don't call your brother a fool he said I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice he is like a man who dug down deep to the foundation and built the house on rock when the rains and the floods came the the house stood firm the other man was the fool He built his house without a foundation. 
the man who hears my words and does not listen. When the storms came, the house crashed. You see, a lot of the times we try to measure wisdom with how much we know. We have four PhDs or we have, don't get me wrong, education is good. I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying, but wisdom, the Bible says, is not only knowing, it's practicing what you know. And when you don't practice what you know, you're a fool. And listen to me, Bible says don't call a man a fool. But when the Bible calls you a fool, you're not a fool, you are a big fool. Because we come and we listen, but we don't practice. We come, we want a new sermon, we want a new word, we want a new song, we want more, more, more. But we don't practice it. I want to tell you because we don't practice it, we just hear the church today is in poverty. There's adultery in the church, there's drunkenness in the church, there's pornography in the church, there's financial fraud, there's bondage in the church. Because we are not practicing. You know, some people always want a word of prophecy. Give me a word of prophecy. Give me another word of knowledge. And I love those. They're good. If they come, let them come. But I want to tell you, there is no greater word than the word of God. But you see, we don't practice it. We need another word. You know, when you don't practice it, when you don't do what God is saying, right, what happens to us? To know something so deeply and not do it. It's like going to a restaurant when you're hungry. You're starving. And you go into the restaurant. And you're starving. And you take the menu and you begin to memorize the menu. You know the appetizers, the soups, the main course, the desserts. Oh, you know it all. But you're still hungry. You're starving. You know the worst part is when somebody else who is in need, your neighbor, somebody going through a terrible situation, they come to you and all you can give them is the menu. When God says, I have raised you for this generation, I keep you alive because I have a plan for you. I created you to be used by me. That's why more than half the world hasn't had an opportunity to have one adequate message of the gospel and you hear it over and over and over again. Why? Is God fair that some of you have so much and half the world has so little? Yes, God is fair. You know why? Because to whom much is given, much is required. And he wants to use you. And you're saying, oh, I'm just here to sit in the pew. I'm just... No, God has a plan for you. And some of your plans is not going across the seas. It's going across the street. It's talking to the person God puts in your life. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but do not do what I say? Oh, we want more word. You know, sometimes what happens is when we just hear and hear and hear, it's problematic because it produces Christians who know everything they should know about love but cannot love. When we just hear and don't do, they know everything about humility but they are still prideful. They know everything they should know about forgiveness but they can't forgive. You know what this shows me? It's like having 1,000 pounds of teaching and we don't have two ounces of practice. 
you know, if Dishan would do 20% of everything he knows, Dishan would be phenomenal. We don't do enough. And God wants us to move, to do, to do about what he says. We need to do, we need to say, yes, Lord. I got to end, my time is up. We have to do what God is saying. Friend, I'm here to tell you, I can present to you a lot of mission needs. I can tell you all the things that are happening, but I didn't come here to take your pulpit to only say that, okay, thank you for missions, because that is great what you do. Keep doing it. You want to add Sri Lanka on the thing? Go ahead. But that's not my point. My point is, God has a plan for you. You're God's man. You're God's woman. There's nobody here exempt from that. God didn't accidentally create some superstars who, these are guys on the stage, these guys who do the hold the microphones. No, there are no superstars in the kingdom of God. There are only children. And you're a child of God. And God has a plan for you. Why didn't God take you the moment you got saved? Think about it. I wish God had taken me the moment I got saved. You know why? Because my chances of backsliding would be zero. Now, I know you don't have to worry about that. You're good. But why? Why? Why does God keep you? Oh, some people tell me, Pastor, God keeps us here to mature us. You don't need maturity to go to heaven. I mean, three pages of the Bible, you get saved, you go to heaven. Why 66 books? Friend, listen to me. Because maturity is for ministry. Maturity is for what you do here. And some of you are missing it. You think, if I just get to heaven, no, you're missing it. You were created to do something that nobody else can do. God has a plan for you. Are you willing to say yes? Yes, Lord. Is Jesus Christ really the Lord of your life? Can he really use you in these last days? Maybe in your last days. Can he use you? If you say yes, I want to tell you, you don't know what's going to happen. Let me close. We've had many things happen in Sri Lanka. And um, there was a young pastor. Actually, he and I were the same age. And um, he was a priest of another religion. And he got saved by somebody throwing light for the lost literature into the temple. He read it, came out, got saved, gave up his robes, didn't know what to do, went to Bible college. They took him in and then he said, I want to go to the southern part of Sri Lanka where the gospel has not gone. And I would like to uh, take the gospel there. So he went. He couldn't preach. He couldn't have a church. A lot of persecution. People were killed, had been shot. And, and so many things. So he began to witness one-to-one. -one. Then he got married, took his wife back there, had a baby, nine months old. After three years of one-to-one, -one, they had about 10, 12 people, maybe 15 max, and he started a Sunday service. And after he started the Sunday service, a few weeks later, he uh, had a lot of opposition. So he took a bus, seven hours, came in the bus to the city to where we were living. My father was the head of the assemblies at that time and 
I was living at home with them. Um, he sat with the two of us and he began to share how the, the priest in his village had had a big meeting. And in the meeting, he told the big crowd that had gathered, Christianity was a little plant. We could have plucked it with our fingers, but we didn't. Now it has grown to become a tree. Now we must axe the tree down. So my father told him, you know, they're going to kill you. You better not go back. You go back, get your wife and baby, come. Stay with us in the city, and when things are cool, you may go. Um, he said, no, God called me there. I have to go. I need to go. And um, so that night I gave him my bed to sleep on. The next morning he got up and he went. About four days after he went back to his village, <clears throat> eight o'clock in the night he had a knock on the door. There were two men. He was playing with his nine-month-old baby. They said, Pastor, we need to talk to you. He said, just a minute. He went to the back room, handed the baby to his wife, came back and he opened the door. As soon as he opened the door, one man took a homemade gun, put it in his mouth and pulled the trigger. Because it was a homemade gun, he didn't die, but his mouth exploded. He held his mouth together like this and he ran to the back room. The other man followed up and in front of his wife and baby stabbed him 14 times. And he lost his life. That day, all our lives came to a stop. We didn't know what to do. I remember when we were going for the funeral, it was a long journey. Halfway through, the, the leaders of the Assemblies of God stopped all of us young pastors and they put us in a hotel room and said, don't go. The older ones are going to do the funeral. If something happens, you guys are there to continue the work. Cutting a wrong story short, his wife, never being educated uh, theologically, said, I feel God is calling me to do this. So the assembly said, no, you're not ready for it. So what we did is we said, hey, we'll take her under our church and let her pastor, we will train her on the run. About three years later, I went, I was in charge of the South to see her. It was a memorial service for him. And we were having lunch and she began to share a story. She told me, pastor, before my husband died, he told me God's will for us in this city is over. But he didn't know where we were going. But she said, now I know where he was going. He was called to go to be with Jesus. She said, but I know I'm called to be here. She said, these same murderers who murdered my husband sent me a message and said, if you don't quit, the same thing that happened to your husband is going to happen to you. She said, I sent them a message back. I said, you know, it was God's will for my husband to go to be with Jesus, but it's God's will for me to stay. Even if you want to kill me, you can't kill me till Jesus says, come home. You know, today we don't have one church in the south. We have 15 churches. We have hundreds of believers. We have kids in Bible school. You know why? Because one lady was willing to say yes and not no. She said, yes, Lord. And because she said yes, God did the rest. My question to you today is, you know, God is not calling you to die for him, at least not yet. He's calling you to live for him. He's calling you to stand up for him. He's calling you to put your convenience on the side and fulfill the plan he has for you. He wants you to accomplish his plan and purpose in your life. And why are you giving excuses? He's telling you, just say yes. Obey me. And I'll do the rest. Friend, will there be anyone in heaven 
because of you. Not your church, not your pastors, not the program. Will there be anyone in heaven because of you? Somebody said, you can count the number of seeds in an orange, but you can never count the number of oranges that will come out of one seed. Would you bow your heads? Father, I bring each and every one here today. Lord, I know you've spoken to some people very specifically. I pray in Jesus' name that we would not go on living the same way we have. I pray in Jesus' name that there are some here who need to fulfill their call and they need to do it fast. That you will speak to hearts and that your will will be done. Lord, I ask you and commit each one to your will and your way. In Jesus' name, amen.